It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. we got a great one for you today here on this Thursday, February 25th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night, Rosenstrike versus Gone. And great to be back with you guys here. Uh, always fun to do these uh, preview shows. Uh, not a whole lot of housekeeping to get to before we uh, dive right into the preview. Uh, obviously, this Saturday is going to be very big for North Star Sports. It's going to be the uh, February World Grand Prix Finals. Same with the Invitational, but, you know, that's kind of like the uh, the NIT, so we don't really talk about it too much. Uh, still, still haven't decided. Still haven't decided who's going to be in the finals. Obviously, it's going to be Drew uh, because of uh, bullshit judges' decision, and then, you know, it's either going to be Paige or Reagan, and nobody knows except for me. So we're going to keep it that way. But, uh... Yeah, no, we'll figure all that uh, stuff out, but uh, should should be a good one. Who knows who we have? Who knows if some people even in the tournaments are going to turn in picks? So you never know what might happen, you know what I mean? Because I, f- I forget who's all in the Invitational, but I don't know. We've been having difficulty these last... Uh, oh, handful of weeks getting people to turn in their picks so you know some people hey they might not turn in their picks and then you know we're gonna have to get substitutions so that's more of a concern for the invitational but I mean you never know you never know getting picks is difficult um yeah that's pretty much it obviously check out uh, our website got the updated rankings and uh all that fun stuff but hey we'll get right into it here so we'll start on the uh, prelim opener, it's going to be a light heavyweight fight between Dustin Jacoby and Maxim Grishin. Uh, Jacoby is 13 and five. Grishin is 31, eight and two. We'll see if we have uh, updated odds for this one. The website I'm using has it uh, sprawled all over the place, so you never really know if you can find the odds or not. Uh, looks like Jacoby is going to be the minus 170 favorite. Uh, do I have anything to add to this one? Uh, yeah, this is a pretty fair matchup. Obviously, two people looking to kind of get a footing in the UFC. Jacoby's obviously an interesting story. Uh, he was a professional kickboxer. I think he kickboxed in uh, in glory, but he was in the UFC like nine years ago or something as a, as a youngin, as a young man, and uh, went back on the contender series. And uh, you know now he's now he's in the UFC. So. Uh, he made his debut. Oh, who was it against? Oh, Justin Ledette. That's what it was. Yeah, and he uh, he knocked him out in the first round. Uh, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock into that because I've seen Justin Ledette fight, and I don't think he's very good. So uh, this is his first quote-unquote real test. Now, I, I wasn't very impressed with Grishin when he made his debut, but he made his debut in the UFC at heavyweight. And that's just not the that's just not the division for him. So he came over from the PFL. He had a bunch of experience before he came into the UFC. Took on uh, Marcin Tabura, which is kind of a dick move because that guy's a true heavyweight. And obviously, uh, we know the streak he's been on. I think he's on a four fight winning streak or something like that. So you know that was a that was a bit of a dick move there by the UFC. But you know he moved down uh, to light heavyweight, which is his true weight class. And uh, ended up getting a finish over uh, Gadzimurad and Tagulov. Uh, and that was uh, a merciful stoppage because he was kind of peppering him through uh, the, the second round. Uh, Antigulov didn't really have uh, an answer for Grishin, just kind of stood there and, you know, took enough punches to the head and uh, they had to stop it. So uh, this is a tough one to get a, a read on, but I am going to go with Grishin. I, I, something. Something about the fight with Antigulov. Antigulov is a much tougher opponent than Justin Ledet. And, uh, you know, Grishin's going to have the uh, MMA experience. I mean, physically, they're, they're pretty much the same. They're both uh, 6'3". Grishin's going to have a slight reach uh, advantage. But, um, 
you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, not that it's not that it's that big of a factor that Grishin fought at heavyweight because I'm sure, I'm sure. Jacoby could fight at heavyweight as well. You know, if you fight at light heavyweight, you know, you just have to, you know, be 207 pounds and you're you're a heavyweight. But, uh, you know, I, I was just more impressed with Grishin. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been following these two guys' careers super closely, so I, I obviously could be off base with it, but I, I like what I see from Grishin, so I'm going to take him to win this one. All right, moving on here, we have a bantamweight fight between Ronnie Lawrence and Vince Cachero. Lawrence is 6-1, and one. Cachero is 7-3. and three. Uh, We'll take a look at the odds here. I'd be pretty shocked if they had the odds for uh, this one, and it appears that they uh, do not on Odd Shark, so they have let me down. Thank you, Odd Shark, but, you know, that, that's fine. I, I still like Odd Shark, but, yeah, I, I really don't have a whole lot to say about this one. Uh, both these guys don't have a ton of experience. I mean, to, to have seven fights and be in the UFC, especially in a, a fairly deep division like the bantamweight division, uh, is uh, interesting. Uh, Ronnie Lawrence is 28 years old, five foot eight, so decent decent height there. Uh, he fought on the Contender Series against Jose Johnson, where he won by unanimous decision. Um, yeah, I don't remember that at all. I, I really don't. I, the name sounds familiar, but I don't remember that performance, which probably isn't good because uh, that means it was not notable. It's not a notable one. Vince Cachero, he's, uh, I believe he's fought in the UFC. Uh, yeah, he fought Jamal Emmers, which that's a pretty tough, that's a pretty tough debut against Jamal Emmers. Um, got knocked out by Casey Kenny in uh, the LFA. Yeah, I, I know nothing about these two fighters. Um yeah, we'll go with Ronnie Ronnie Lawrence. We'll go with Ronnie Lawrence on this one and just, uh, you know, I don't know, hope that uh, a cleaner record means something. But oftentimes it does not. All right, moving on here on the prelims, we have one hell of a light heavyweight fight here between William Knight and Alonzo Menafield. Uh, Knight is 9-1, and one, Menafield is 9-2. and two. I'll try to find the odds here for this one. It's a minus, one, minus 115 pick'em. Uh, yeah, this is going to be very interesting. I'd be surprised if this one got out of the first round. Not impossible, but uh, I would be pretty fucking surprised. Uh, probably two of the most jacked people on the entire UFC roster. On, like, honestly, it might be number one and number two. These guys are first team all body. They just look like Paulo. They, they make Paulo Costa look like skinny runner Sonya, the, the guy who does stuff with his dog uh, that I'm not going to get into, but obviously you could Google it. Um, but yeah, this this is going to be interesting. Obviously, both these guys just have tremendous power, good strikers. I think William Knight's the, the more well-rounded guy, although in fairness, he hasn't uh, taken on some of the guys that, that uh, Alonzo Menafield has taken on. Like, William Knight's never fought in OSP, you know, so it, it's... I don't know. It's tough to know where they are, and I guess that's why it would make a lot of sense why they are. Uh, it, it's a pick 'em. Um. God damn, this is a tough one to 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 figure out. Um, because I, I I really was impressed with uh, William Knight's performance against Alexa Kamer, uh, and, and f- even his fight against Cody Brundage. Uh, you know he'll mix in he'll mix in the wrestling. So I think that's why I think he's probably a more well-rounded fighter. But it's man, it's just really tough to know because Menafield's taking on the the, the tougher guys. Um, shoot, and so Menafield he lost to OSP, but he also oh he also lost to Devin Clark too. Ooh, that's grody. That's real gross. Um, and Devin Clark wrestled him a bit too. So Menafield. I don't know. He's not very good at stopping the wrestling because I, I don't think too highly of Devin Clark. You know, I am going to go with William Knight. I just think William Knight's the better wrestler and the power and striking's comparable. Not to diminish, you know, that Menafield could turn your lights out at, at any given moment, but so could William Knight. So um, I, I'm just ever so slightly picking William Knight. I, I am going to favor him, but, you know, Menafield certainly has a, you know, the, 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 a puncher's chance, more than a puncher's chance, but uh, I think William Knight will probably get this one done. And if he get, if he gets it done, it might go to a decision. It might. He could finish him. Entirely possible. Um, but 
yeah, I, I, th- I think William Knight has more ways to beat Menafield than Menafield has to beat Knight. All right, we'll move on here to the women's bantamweight division, where we'll have a fight between Alexis Davis and Sabina Mazo. Davis is 19 and 10. Mazo is 9 and 1. Uh, let me try to find the odds of Rooney here. They would have Sabina Mazo as the minus 210 favorite. Um, I think that's fair. Uh, the UFC has Alexis Davis ranked at number 11, which is just sad and uh, and depressing. I'm pretty sure. No, there's no fucking way we have her ranked. Let me check the North Star Sports rankings. Yeah, we don't even have Alexis Davis ranked, which uh, is very fitting. She does not deserve to be ranked. Uh, let's see the losing streak for Alexis Davis. It's uh, it's something rather large. Uh, okay, only three. Only three. Uh, Chukagian, Maya, and Arujao. Um, oh, it is taking place at flyweight, so I wonder if they have her ranked at flyweight or if, she, if they if she's a bantam. Well, I guess... No, Arujao would have been a flyweight, so... Okay, changing uh, weight classes. You know, that's the interesting thing about a lot of the um, the OGs of the uh, the female divisions. Well, well, really, the bantamweight division, because that was the only division for a, you know, a handful of years in the UFC. But, you know, seeing a lot of those fighters shuffle around and finding their true weight class. Because, you know, for... Let's see, Ronda Rousey made her debut in the UFC in February of 2013. And they didn't get straw weight until... It was either December of 2015 or 2016. I want to say it was 2015. So you know there there was a there was a handful of years where if you were a female and you wanted to fight in the UFC, it was 135 or fucking hit the road. And uh, you know Alexis Davis moving down to to flyweight, so probably was just a you know ballooned up bantamweight. You know, or and then crazier ones like Jessica Andrade, who you know was a fucking world champion at 115. And I think it's like five foot one or something, and was fighting at bantamweight, which, you know, is just fucking absolutely insane. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going Sabina Mazo on this one. Not that uh, you know I feel super strongly in uh, in what she does, but she's going to be the taller fighter, the longer fighter. Her leg reach is actually pretty significant, and she's not on a three fight losing streak. Um, Alexis Davis is also 36 years old. Uh, which is uh, it's getting up there. You don't see a whole lot of 36-year-olds getting wins in the UFC in the female divisions. Uh, uh, you know, I would say the, the the prime for a female fighter is anywhere from oh 20, 27 to like 33, 34 maybe. You know, it's kind of and you know it's at lighter weight classes, so that would kind of fit in with you know men's flyweight. Like you don't. There's, there's really no 36-year-old men's flyweights who are having success outside of, you know, Joseph Benavidez, and obviously he didn't even have success at the highest level. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. It's probably just her time to, to get uh, sent off into uh, uh, retirement. I mean, if you go on a four-fight losing streak, especially these days with, uh, you know, COVID and, and, you know, signing fucking 75 people a week from the contender series i mean you know your spot's gonna get taken very very quickly uh mazo is 23 uh i could have swore she lost her last fight but apparently apparently not she's actually on a three fight winning streak uh this definitely is a step up in competition for her because i mean she's fought the likes of Shayna dobson and jj aldrix and and uh justine kish but uh yeah, I don't really care about this this fight at all, but yeah, we'll, we'll go Sabina Mazo. Alrighty, we're moving on here. Still on the prelims, we will have a welterweight fight between Alex Cowboy Oliveira, and let's see if I can get this one right. Ramazan Kuramagomedov. 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 Ramazan. Yeah, fucking... I don't, it's crazy how it is, how, like, uh, you know, back, like, seven years ago, how nobody could say Nurmagomedov, but, you know, yeah, well, you know, once these people just become household vernacular for UFC fans, you, you can pronounce anything, even Ioana and Jacek, um, even though I'm sure that's probably not uh, accurate in, in Polish or whatever, but, uh, you know, that's that's fine. Um yeah, this one will be uh, a, a pretty a pretty interesting one. Could could be a cracker, as the uh, the Australians uh, like to say from time to time. There are no odds for this one because uh, I 
believe this was put on a couple of days ago. This definitely was a short notice um, fight. Um, I don't know. You never you never really know what to expect from uh, from Cowboy Oliveira. Um, definitely been losing uh, more fights than he's been winning these days, but uh, obviously a very uh, uh, tough guy, very scary looking guy as well. I would not want to. I would not want to mess with uh, uh, Alex Oliveira. But um, yeah, he uh, got choked out by Shavkat Rachmanov, the uh, the feller, the feller from uh, Ukraine. No, 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 not Ukraine. Uh, Kazakhstan. Um, but see, he's kind of he's kind of like the other cowboy, uh, which is funny that they both fought cowboy versus cowboy. But uh, he'll just take on anybody. He, you know, I, you got to respect that. It doesn't matter. Highly touted prospect. He'll take him on. Fucking, he'll take on Mike Perry, Gunnar Nelson, Carlos Condit, Yancy Madero. I mean, uh, he, he takes on some pretty fucking tough guys. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know anything about Kura Gramat. God damn. I used to be so good at pronouncing names, but now it's just, I, I, I don't know. That's a skill you lose, I guess. We'll call him RK. RK. But I don't know anything about the guy. Um, but I, I do know about Oliveira. But see, it's tough because Oliveira, dude, he's probably had like 20 fights in the UFC. So this guy's got ample high-level experience. But he just lost to an undefeated guy with a scary-sounding name. So I know that might be trivial, but uh, I don't know. And I'm, I'm looking at a picture of RK, and uh, I don't know. He looks kind of cuddly. He doesn't look like, uh, you know, the typical scary uh, Eastern European. I guess, from, I guess he's from Russia. Uh, his his record is oh he fought on the contender series how do I not know hmm oh, he beat Jordan Williams you know I I am gonna go with Cowboy Oliveira on this one I just don't know enough about RK to to pick him and uh, I I know enough about Cowboy Oliveira and uh, yeah we'll we'll go with that alrighty we must be approaching. The main card. This is a massive card, or at least it feels like it. Uh, we have a prelim fight here between Angela Hill and Ashley Yoder. Hill is 12 and 9. Yoder is 8 and 6. I'm curious to see what the betting odds for this one are. Angela Hill is going to be the minus 360 favorite. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm picking Angela Hill. There's not even a question in this one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll go. We'll go Angela Hill. That's. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't exactly know how uh, Ashley Yoder is is still in the UFC, but uh, you know, I think people like that probably won't be in the UFC in a handful of years when they when they get more young talent. Uh, she did win her last fight against Miranda Granger, but she is, oh boy, three and five in her last eight, and you know, against not very good competition because, you know, obviously. Um, you know, not a very deep division that they uh, that they compete in. Uh, you know, Angela Hill, classic case of uh, I'll beat anybody who's well below me, and I'll lose to anybody who's well above me. Which, you know, is pretty pretty standard. But she's such an active fighter that uh, you know that just becomes very very evident. Uh, I, I don't think she's that good of a fighter. Um, and uh, I don't know, made a big deal about her losing those two split decisions. She definitely lost those two fights against Gadelia and uh, Watterson, and uh, I don't know, she had she had a main event in there. I don't really get the appeal of, of Angela Hill, Hill uh, as a fighter, you know, when, when she was on that streak, like, uh, oh, you better watch out for Angela Hill. Yeah, not really, man, not really. Who has she ever beaten? Uh, her best win is probably Marina Morose, okay, and like, okay, I guess she was a highly touted prospect for like a year seven years ago but like a win over Ariane Carlosi who I think was making her UFC debut who did nothing a win over Hannah Cyphers who quite possibly is the worst fighter to ever step into the UFC octagon and then a win over a four in one uh, Luma Lukbunmi I don't I don't think that was Luma's debut but if it if it wasn't it was her second fight in the UFC so it's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, I could take like I could take Santiago Ponzinibbio and just make him fight uh, low-level Bellator fighters, and I could make I could make him go on a crazy winning streak. You know what I mean? Like I, I could take I could take um, 
fuck, who's that, uh... Oh, he's on this card, too. Yeah, Alex Caceres. I could take Alex Caceres, a guy whose record is not very good, and I could make him fight against people in fucking jungle fights, and and he could I could make him go 20 and 0. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, who are you who are you fighting? It's not it's not just about the green and the red. You know what I mean? It's about who are you fighting and, <laughs> and not not fight, not fighting high level competition. But with that being said, she's not fighting high level competition here, so she will uh, probably get uh, a win. Probably get a win. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Don't count Ashley Yoder out. Although I will. All righty. Uh, I think we're at the uh, the prelim headliner here. It's going to be a uh, lightweight fight between Alexander Hernandez and Tiago Moises. Hernandez is 12 and 3. Moises is 14 and 4. Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. More like Alexander the uh, completely average in the UFC. He is going to be the minus 200 favorite. Uh, He's a bit of a douche. He's a bit of a douche. Uh, Definitely pissed off a lot of fans with uh, how he handled uh, his fight with uh, Cowboy Cerrone. So, uh, since that fight, things have not gone super great for Alexander Hernandez. Uh, he's still only 28 years old. But, uh, yeah, got knocked out by Cerrone. He won against Francisco Trinaldo. Now, I want to pull up MMA decisions because I would bet my fucking life that Alexander Hernandez did not beat Francisco Trinaldo. And uh, the only reason he won that fight was uh, it was in... It was either the card in Austin or San Antonio. I want to say it was San Antonio, and he got the hometown decision. Uh, fucking absolutely insane. Francisco Trinaldo just absolutely got lubed up and just, I don't even, I'm, you know what he got lubed up for. I'm not even going to say it, but he just, it was criminal what they did to Francisco Trinaldo. Looking at the media scores, uh, two people who must just be high on crack scored that fight 29-28 for Hernandez, and then... Uh, looks like 10 scored it, 29-28 Trinaldo, and 3 scored it, 30-27 Trinaldo. Just, you couldn't even make a case Hernandez won that fight. He lost every single round of that fight. Clearly obvious. So, uh, in, in my mind, he was on a three-fight losing streak because then he also got knocked out by Drew Dober. And then uh, he came back on the Halloween card, the Spookoween card with... Uh, um, what was that? Uh, Anderson Silva and Uriah Hall, and he beat uh, Chris Gritzmacher. So really, he's one in three in his last four. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. He definitely lost those fights. And Tiago Moises, that's going to be a tough fight for him because you know we we've seen Tiago Moises, um, you know, struggle a little bit early on in the UFC to get some wins, but uh, he's he's coming off of a win on the same card. Uh, over Bobby Green and Bobby Green, you know, he had that he had that bad stretch where he was like one six and one in his last eight fights. But obviously, uh, he, he's had a career resurgence. Um, you know, really the last say nine months, but he's he's been very very active over the last nine months. Uh, a win over Michael Johnson ankle locked the 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 dude, and uh, oh Seth Green is going to transfer. Okay, well. That's unfortunate. That dude is supposed to be the savior of the Gophers. Um, wonder where he'll go. Yeah, but Michael Johnson, and that's, I mean, okay, you never know what you're going to get with Michael Johnson. You could get the Michael Johnson that beats up Tony Ferguson and Dustin Poirier, or you get the one that loses to fucking Clay Guida. Um, you know, so I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Um, it might just be it might just be wishful thinking, but uh, I'm definitely rooting for Tiago Moises. I think he'll probably get it done. I mean, Alexander the Average is is talented. He is a douche, so he's very hard to root for. He, he has the personality of Luke Rockhold, except he has none of the accolades of Luke Rockhold. You know what I mean? He he acts like he was the UFC and Strikeforce champion, but uh, never was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Moises is dangerous. I don't know how good Hernandez is on the ground. I feel like he, I feel like he he his base is wrestling. But uh, I don't know. Moises is dangerous on the ground. He is a BJJ guy. Um, ooh, I don't know. It's interesting because both of these guys absorb more significant strikes than they uh, than they actually land. So something's got to give. That that mathematically can't uh, work out here in in uh, in this one. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? Could be wishful thinking, but I, I am gonna go uh, Tiago Moises uh, on this one.
Alrighty, we're moving on here to the main card. We'll have a featherweight fight between Alex Caceres and Kevin Kroom. Caceres is 17 and 12. Kroom is 21 and 12. Uh, first team all awful record in uh, in this one. That's uh, oh boy, a lot of a lot of losses between these uh, two gentlemen. Kevin Kroom's UFC photo is fucking hilarious. Holy shit. Um, I'll never understand the card placement for the UFC. Like I, you know, like uh, to be the prelim headliner. Like they typically try to make a good prelim headliner. Like there's there's definitely like a a, a formula to uh, you know where the UFC places fighters. But dude, I'll I'll never know how they figure out some of these fucking main cards. Um, you know, like we'll get to a, a matchup a couple of fights from now that I have no idea how is. I don't. I have no idea how this fight's even in the UFC, let alone on a main card. But you know, that's neither here nor there. We'll get to that uh, in a moment. Uh, we'll take a look here at the odds if I could find them, and they will have Caceres as the minus two ten favorite. Um, yeah, this is unfortunate because this. This card is not very good for a uh, main card showdown world grand prix uh, in, in the sense that, uh, yeah, a lot of these fighters are not fun to pick. You know what I mean? Alex Caceres is not a fun fighter to pick because he will lose to the worst opponent possible and then, you know, he'll he'll slightly upset a little bit better opponent. So you, you never really know what you're going to get with Bruce, Bruce Leroy. Uh, I'm going to pick him to beat Kevin Kroom here. Um, I definitely do not feel good about that. I, I don't feel good at all. Uh, in his last fight, he pieced up uh, Austin... Oh, no, so he's... Uh, well, I guess he's been pretty active. I thought his last fight was Chase Hooper, who he pieced up. Uh, also choked out Austin Springer. Uh, has a win over uh, Steven Ocho-Peterson. Uh, and then Kevin Kroom, who did he... Who did he fight? He fought a couple of months ago. Uh, if the uh, the webpage would ever, ever load. Uh, no contest against Roosevelt Roberts. Did he win that one or did he lose that one? Who knows? I don't know. But I'm just going with Alex uh, Caceres. I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's just a gross, inconsequential fight. Uh, none of these fighters will ever accomplish anything in the UFC. Uh, and if they do, then, uh, I don't know, good for them. But, uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I might skip this one. I, I might skip this one. But, uh, yeah, we'll go Caceres by... Um, uh, we'll go by decision. We'll go by decision. Alrighty, we'll move on here on the main card. Uh, we'll have a fight between Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera. Uh, Munoz is 18-5. and five. Rivera is 23-4. and four. We'll take a look at the odds here. They are going to have Jimmy Rivera as the minus 150 favorite. That's a little surprising. I would disagree with that. Um, we'll also take a look at the North Star Sports rankings. Uh, they are going to have Pedro Munoz at number 7, Jimmy Rivera at number 9. Um, so the, the, the matchmaking is really good here. Now, this was supposed to happen. I, I feel like it was supposed to happen... Uh, uh, a few weeks ago, and then it got rescheduled. Um, I'm kind of surprised this is not the co-main event, but uh, I guess it's close enough. Um, interesting fight. I'm a pretty big fan of Pedro Munoz, and uh, I think he's the better fighter, so uh, I'm a little surprised that he's not the favorite against Jimmy Rivera. Um, pull up the old MMA scouting book here, because I know I, know I have something on uh, Pedro Munoz. I'm not sure if I have anything on... Uh, on the Jimster. Uh, God, you see, that's the problem with having um, uh, a scouting book on UFC fighters is that there's so f many UFC fighters, it's very hard to keep track. And it's looking like I have nothing on either. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, let me see here. Oh, Angela Hill and Ashley Yoder is on the main card. Ugh, gross. Okay, so I think I got the order mixed up. Um, I was going off a of tapology, but the UFC website has it this way. So, oh, that is really gross. Okay, so I, I, I might have messed up on the order here. That is, that is my bad. Um, well, while I'm stalling here, I like the nicknames for for both these guys: the Young Punisher, 
Uh, that's a, that's a pretty good nickname for uh, Pedro Munoz, although um, you know, really kind of only works if you're young. Not that he's uh, not that he's old, but uh, you know, it's not like he's 23. And El Terror, El Terror for uh, Jimmy Rivera. Um, yeah, Munoz is going to be a little bit taller. Um, I don't know. I I, I think he, I, I like Munoz's ability to just kind of stand in the pocket and fire. So uh, you know, had the loss to Sterling. Okay, lost that one. Split decision loss to Frankie Edgar. He definitely won that fight. He he outstruck him. He outstruck Frankie Edgar. So uh, I I like that. And then obviously, you know, there there was no better. Uh, example of him, you know, being composed and standing in the pocket than uh, than with Cody Garbrandt. Uh, you know, that's probably his best win uh, to date. And then for Jimmy Rivera, I mean, that's a very interesting, um, you know, butterfly effect. What if, you know, because because this guy was really the unheralded prospect of the bantamweight division for a long time. And really, if he would have beat, he had a main event in Adirondack, New York, at the no, in Utica, New York. Was it the Adirondack Center? Either way, he had a main event, I want to say in June of 2018. I guess I could look it up. Uh, but in June of 2018 against Marlon Marais, where if he won that fight, uh, he might have got a title shot. Might have got a title shot. Got brutally knocked the fuck out in 33 seconds. And then had a, a loss to Sterling and Piotr Jan. A couple of wins mixed in between with uh, John Dodson and Cody Stamen. Um, you know... But his record is fucking gaudy. He's a little undersized for for the bantamweight division, but his his reach definitely makes up for it. Um, but no, I mean Jimmy Rivera. You know, I, I hate to count him out in this one, even though I'm gonna pick uh, Pedro Munoz. But you know, Rivera is a very underrated uh, fighter. I, I think his wrestling in BJJ is is fine. I just think P- Pedro Munoz is gonna be the better striker. Uh, he is Brazilian, so I mean you gotta figure he's. Uh, good on the ground the only thing that's a little bit concerning for me is is Rivera does land more significant strikes than he absorbs and that is definitely the opposite for Pedro Munoz he absorbs 6.17 significant strikes per minute which is fucking insane not that you not that you couldn't do that against Jimmy Rivera because it's not like he's known as a knockout guy but that's just not a it's just not a good strategy for life and brain health but also for winning fights um, so that is a little bit concerning. I mean, he does land 5.29. So, you know, he'll, he'll take one to give one, but that's generally not, uh, ask Vanderlei Silva and, and, uh, you know, ask him to read a, a page in, of, uh, uh, the, the very hungry caterpillar and, and see if that's a very good strategy. So, you know, we'll see. The thing for Jimmy Rivera too, is his takedown defense is fucking stellar. It's 95% takedown defense. So, I don't know. I, I think this one will will take place standing, but I just think uh, Munoz is, is is a better striker, and uh, he'll he'll get the uh, unanimous decision victory unless he gets fucked over, which he did against Edgar. So you never know. Although Rivera is not uh, a legend like Edgar, so he might not be getting the uh, the special treatment from the judges that uh, you know the the answer might have. Alrighty, we'll move on here to the featured bout. I'm going to try to do this in under a minute. We have uh, uh, in the women's flyweight division, Montana De La Rosa taking on Myra Bueno Silva. Uh, De La Rosa is 11-6. Bueno Silva is 7-1. We'll take a look at the odds. They'll have Bueno Silva as the minus 145 favorite. Uh, Got to do it in under a minute. Under a minute. Uh, they have... Oh, okay, they don't have De La Rosa ranked. They did have her ranked in her last fight, which is fucking insane, which is why you should never trust the UFC rankings. Uh, She lost her last fight to Viviani Araujao, has a couple of wins over uh, Nadia Kasim and Rachel Ostevich, really has never beaten anybody uh, of note in the UFC, Uh, is the wife of Mark De La Rosa, who who... I would say definitively has the worst nickname in all of MMA. Uh, he his nickname is uh, the the Bumblebee, the Bumblebee. Mark De La Rosa, one of the uh, I'd just retire. That's just uh, you know, quite frankly embarrassing. Although you can't pick your nicknames, that you know that is true. You can't pick your nicknames. But if somebody gave that to me, I don't know. That would that'd be mighty unfortunate. Uh, bueno Silva, she won her last fight over Mara Barello. 
uh, has a win over uh, Jillian Robertson, which is pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pick uh, Bueno Silva to win this one. I do not think highly of uh, Montana De La Rosa as a fighter at all. I've been nothing but uh, bored by any of the fights I've had the misfortune of tuning into. So, uh, yeah, we'll go Myra Bueno Silva by uh, decision because, you know, that's how, that's how things go. All right, we'll move on here to the co-main event. It's going to be in the light heavyweight division between Nikita Krylov and Magomed Ankalaev. Krylov is 27-7, and Ankalaev 14-1. and uh, They both are ranked in the 205-pound uh, division. Uh, let's see here, Krylov... Oh, wrong division. Would help if I was looking at the right one. Uh, Krylov is actually number 8, surprisingly. I mean, he's a very quiet fighter. I mean, nobody really keeps tabs on this guy, but he is in the top 10. And uh, Megamed Ankalaev is at number 12. And I, I love this fight. I love this fight. I think stylistically, it's going to be a good one. They're both well-rounded. Uh, obviously, both good wrestlers. Ankalaev is a very, very good striker as well. Um, but two underrated guys. And, and, you know, number number 8 versus number 12 makes sense. You know, Krilov had that first stint in the UFC got cut came back and I don't I don't think he's lost since coming back uh the second time around um oh okay okay he's lost twice but it was to Jan Blachowicz and Glover Teixeira so the fucking champ and the number one contender but either way he's a he's a materially uh you know different fighter I, I think he's much improved and again, I say underrated because nobody really is, is you know, banging down the door to fight Nikita Krylov or Ankalaev. And Ankalaev, if he hadn't lost to Paul Craig via that last second triangle choke, uh, he would be undefeated and probably he would probably be in the top five by now. He might be fighting for the fucking belt. You know what I mean? So I think Ankalaev's a really good fighter. And then, you know, he basically had a year wasted because of that fucking brickhead Iwan Kutalaba. Uh, they never should have... Okay, well, so first of all, they fought uh, in February of 2020, and he knocked him out in 38 seconds uh, because Iwan Kutalaba had the brilliant idea of uh, playing Hurt, and uh, that fight got canceled. They tried to do the rematch. It got canceled three different times, uh, and it took eight months for them to get the rematch. They finally fought again uh, at UFC 254 in October of last year, and Kutalaba got viciously, viciously knocked the fuck out by Ankalaev because Ankalaev is 35 times the fighter that Kutalaba is. And finally, Ankalaev can move on. The fight never made sense to begin with. Ankalaev was ranked at the time. Kutalaba was not. Kutalaba wins one, loses one. Ankalaev is a legitimate prospect and future title contender, in my opinion. And, uh... You know, unfortunate stoppage, okay, but don't like, don't, don't, don't fight like a fucking idiot. And uh, after it was canceled once, move on. After it was canceled two times, move on. Three times, how about we move on? Nope, let's do it the fourth time. And the same exact fucking result happened because Kutalaba is not that good of a fighter. So we've just wasted, uh, let's see, almost a calendar year. Almost a calendar year. It's two days off. Two days off from the, the first time they fought. So, you know, whatever. Ankalaev is young, you know what I mean? I think he's 20... He's 28. So, he's young, but we just wasted a year of that guy's career for just absolutely no fucking reason. So, it's good to see him just moving on. And uh, I'm going to pick Ankalaev to win this one. Uh, you know, they're they're both pretty tall for the light heavyweight division, um, but I, I, I've been impressed with Ankalaev's striking. I like his front kicks. Got very good power, as we saw in the, in, uh, the, the second Kutalaba fight. And uh, I, I really do think that this guy is going to be a legitimate title contender. I mean, you got to give props to Paul Craig for choking him out. But really, this guy's just kind of ran through uh, most of the guys he's fought. I mean, knocked out Dalsha Ambula, knocked out Marcin Prochnio. Uh, you dominant unanimous unanimous decision victory over Klitsen Abreu and uh you know th this is a this is a pretty big step up in competition I mean Paul Craig m technically might have been ranked when he fought him but I but outside of that and that might be questionable uh he's never fought a ranked opponent so to go from now he has been in the rankings but he hasn't fought a ranked guy so to go from not facing anybody in the top 15 to the number eight guy 
is a pretty big jump. I think it's warranted because, you know, he's been fucked over by, um, you know, the Hulk. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll uh, win this one. Uh, I'll just very quickly double-check uh, some of the stats here because I'd be curious to uh, to see what they would uh, what they would say here. Um, holy shit! Yeah, so Kutalaba lands 3.4 significant strikes for per minute, only absorbs 1.2. So I've I've honestly never seen a significant strike. Per, uh, per minute lower than 1.2 and obviously the, it's not like this guy's a 40 fight veteran in the UFC you know what I mean but that's insane the defense is, is still actually pretty good for uh, Krilov but 67% defense for Ankalaev that is just fucking crazy I, that's just crazy I actually think Ankalaev finishes him I really think he does I think he probably knocks him out and if it went to the ground I don't think Ankalaev would be too uh, upset either and uh, 85% takedown defense, so even if Krilov is hurt, uh, boy, it's going to be uh, a bitch and a half to try to, you know, land a sloppy double leg on Ankalaev, you know, when you're, when you're damaged. So, you know, he'll just continue the trend of scary Russian people with uh, no mustaches dominating in the UFC. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he'll, uh, he'll win by uh, a knockout probably in round one or round two. I don't know. I mean... You know, we'll see what my uh, official main card showdown picks are when the when the time is right. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, that's probably the case. Alrighty, we'll move on here to the main event of the evening. It's going to be in the heavyweight division between Jairzinho Rosenstrike and Cyril Gon. Rosenstrike is eleven and one. Gon is seven and oh, not a whole lot of experience in the UFC or in MMA for that matter between these two guys. Uh, those records are uh, pretty shallow, although, you know, relatively spotless. So, you know, you got to commend them, obviously. Uh, we'll take a look here. Oh, excuse me. I, I, I didn't get to the odds for the co-main. So, Ankalaev is the minus 350 favorite over uh, Krilov. Um, but getting back to the uh, the main event here, uh, Cyril Gaon is the minus 265 favorite, which I'm pretty surprised by. I thought I was going to be, you know... Mr. Hipster picking Cyril Gaon because I might be his biggest fan. I think that guy's the future of the heavyweight division, but, you know, apparently, uh, you know, the sports bettors out there agree with me. Uh, we'll take a look here at the heavyweight rankings, courtesy of North Star Sports, and Rosenstreich is going to be at number four, Cyril Gaon at number seven. So, you know, this is a big deal for Cyril Gaon. He would blast his way into the top five right on the doorstep of the top three, um, you know, I don't think he's too far away fight-wise from fighting for a title uh, because I, I am picking him to beat uh, Biggie Boy. Uh, now, calendar-wise, I think anybody's very far away from fighting for for the heavyweight uh, championship like I've uh, outlined on many of the previous shows uh, the last couple of weeks, you know, well, we got to get through Miocic and Nganu, and if Nganu wins, it's a trilogy. And you know, after we get through that trilogy, or if Miocic just wins the the first fight, we have to get through John Jones because he's got next. And then what about Derek Lewis? And then what if Curtis Blades wins five fights between now and fucking you know the the Jones fight? And you know, it's just a heavyweight division has been a mess the the last four years, uh, or well, three and a half years. Really, ever since DC went up and, uh, you know, knocked out Miocic the first time. Well, I guess the only time, but uh, also the first time. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, we've, we've been having this streak of heavyweight main events uh, the last month. You know, obviously, we just got done with Blades and Lewis. We had Overeem and Volkov. So, you know, it is good to see that the heavyweight division is not stagnating, but the top is just not moving as quick as, uh, you know, the, the, the next two lower rungs. So it'll be interesting because, like, how can you say Derek Lewis is next for a title fight when the next title fight uh, after Nganu and Jones might not come until fucking July 2022? Like, what if Chris Dawkins wins four fights in between then? You know what I mean? And he's the number one contender. So you, you have no idea. Nothing is guaranteed in this division. But um, I, I think this will be a good fight. Obviously, a, a kickboxing match is probably what's going to happen which uh, you, you would think would favor Rosenstrike because he is uh, uh, a kickboxer by trade. Um, 
but I don't know. I and I was wrong. I was wrong on uh, on Curtis Blades. You know, I, I I didn't really see a path to victory for Derek Lewis, and then obviously Derek Lewis won. So there was a path to victory. And obviously, when I said that, like obviously anything can happen, but um, you know that's true for any fight. But um, I I feel really good about uh, Cyril Gan winning this fight. I've I've been very impressed by his striking. Uh, he's a good wrestler, and I hate to harp on this, but I think it is a, uh, a valid point. But he's not a fatty at heavyweight. He's he's built like a uh, a, a Roman statue, and I think that's important because when you look at fighters who come in at the limit uh, of 265, they really don't do anything. Tell me the last champion in the heavyweight division who came in at 265. There's a golden range at heavyweight for you to weigh in at, and it's from 230 to 245. And if you're not in that range, you're not champion, okay? You could be Derek Lewis, and you could weigh in at 265, and you might have a lot of success, and he, certainly he has, but he's never been champ. You look at all the champs, anybody who's done anything, and I'm, I'm not talking about the heavyweight champ back in fucking 2000. I really mean since MMA became a sport, you know what I mean? Since people trained full-time and fucking, you know what I mean? So, like, since, I don't know, 2010, um where it's became like a real legitimate thing outside of uh, Brock Lesnar might be the last one who came in at the limit and he lost in 2011 so really since 2011 I mean you look at Velasquez probably right around 240 uh, DC 240 245 Miocic 235 240 JDS 240 um, you know what I mean that's that's just how it goes man Verdum 240 and uh, Cyril Ghosn 247 but he's just absolutely built and he's 30 um you know not that Rosenstrike is old but gone really could be the future of this heavyweight division I mean he's probably f- five or six years younger than the average heavyweight in the rankings um so you know I think I think he I think he gets it done and uh, obviously Rosenstrike has the great equalizer with the power not that not that gone is devoid of power but uh, you obviously would have to give the power advantage to uh, Rosenstrike, but I mean, we've seen him just get fucking dominated by Alistair Overeem, and he obviously won that fight because he knocked him out with four seconds to go. But it, it's also equally possible that he just didn't get that knockout and 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 lost. You know what I mean? So that's a little concerning. Obviously, getting the dub is the only thing that matters. But you know, some red flags were were probably um, uh, you know developed because of that uh, performance, and then you know lost in 20 seconds to Engano. I'll I'll be willing to throw that one. Uh, to, to the wayside that's you know what I mean Ngannou is such a high level guy I'll just throw that to the side I'm not even fair enough man you got caught by a spinning windmill of punches like okay well most people probably would lose to that um, and then he knocked out JDS now Cyril Gan is coming off of a knockout win over JDS I was very impressed uh, with, with that one uh, JDS not very happy about that but uh, went over Tanner Bozier uh, very impressive, and Bozier is actually a pretty good striker as well, and has really good power because we've seen what Bozier did to uh, his last two opponents, whose names uh, escape me. I think one of them was Rafael Pessoa. Um, so you know, obviously being in this weight class and taking on a guy like Bozier and and even Dos Santos, um, you know, Cyril Gan knows how to maneuver around power. Okay, so it's not like. It's not like he's just gonna sit there and go tit for tat with Rosenstrike, but I just think he's the he's the he's the bigger striker, or he, or excuse me, he's the bigger fighter. He's the better striker. Uh, I, I would have to give him the wrestling advantage, although I don't know how much he would use uh, it in this one. Um, but yeah, he's gonna have a three-inch reach advantage, so he's gonna be able to use that range. He's got a good jab too, so he'll probably keep distance. Um, uh, although you know, whatever, man, you gotta say it. You can't can't count out. Jairzinho Rosenstrike, you can't count him out, but uh, you know I, I think he'll get it done. And crazily enough, Cyril Gan actually has a shorter average fight time than Rosenstrike, so uh, even even Gan can finish a fight quick. Although I I would say he's a patient fighter. You know he he stayed patient and got the second round finish against JDS, but he didn't he didn't force anything, which I thought was really smart against a guy who, albeit on the downswing, but you know has a very high fight IQ. Uh, and, and uh, you know, still very good boxing in, in JDS. So, uh, Gan is a, is a very smart fighter. Um, only absorbs 1.67 significant strikes per minute. 
Uh, that's a, a defense of 82%. So he doesn't take damage. And that's something you really have to respect, especially when you know you're the better fighter, where it's like, well, okay, this is heavyweight. So even who's a submission guy? Even even Alexio Linick could knock you out in one punch. You know what I mean? If something lands the right way, you know, you're, you're at, at a minimum, you're really not finding a heavyweight fighter who weighs less than 235. So, you know, of course anybody could get knocked out, but you love to see that. The defense is really good. The defense for Jairzinho is absolute shit when you look at the, at the percentage. 32% defense on significant strikes compared to 82 for Cyril Gaon. So it's like, well, Jairzinho is definitely there to get hit, okay? And he lands 46% on his significant strikes. Well, Cyril Ghosn is landing 68%. So, you know, maybe Cyril Ghosn misses a little bit with non-significant strikes, you know, just pumping out jabs or, or you know, whatever. But when he picks when he picks his power shots, he really lands with accuracy, man. And, you know, that's just not a good combination. I, I don't think I've ever seen a difference of 50% from a fighter to a fighter on their defense like that is as almost as elite as you could get in Cyril Ghosn now obviously again it's not like Cyril Ghosn has faced 10 ranked heavyweight fighters you know what I mean he, he hasn't fought the uh the pedigree and and resume of people of a, a Miocic but that is just absolutely insane and then for Rosenstrike I mean that's just that's just not very good man not very good and, oh, and for for good measure he's got 100% takedown defense uh, again, in a short sample size. So if Rosenstrike is hurt and wants to shoot for a takedown, which I, I wouldn't really think he would do, um, it's not really a, a possibility. So uh, I think Cyril Gahn's going to win this one. I think he's going to stay patient because he can. Uh, I don't think he's going to gas out. He's he's in great shape. That's never been an issue, although this is obviously his first foray into a five-round uh, contest, at least in the UFC. Um, but I think he stays patient and probably finishes him in the third round. Uh, so I'll go third round finish. I might change it, um, but I, I just think that's probably how it's going to go. There's no reason for him to bum rush Jairzinho. There's no reason to to force anything that's too quick or unnatural. Um, he's a very, very smart fighter. Uh, I really think he is the future, and I, I mean that wholeheartedly. I really think Cyril Gaon and fighters like him are the future of the heavyweight division, and I think this dude's going to be a major problem, and he, he's really yet to find his equal, and I don't think he'll find his equal here with Rosenstroik. I think you get the win over Rosenstroik realistically. Uh, maybe you have to beat... Um, maybe you have to beat uh, Curtis Blades, or maybe you have to beat Derek Lewis, or... Well, shit, if you beat Jairzinho, you're ranked at four, so there's really... I guess Ngannou's ranked higher... You know, but he's, he's probably, if he wins this fight, he's probably one fight away from a title fight. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I just think he'll get it done. All right, so with that, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, this was our preview of UFC Fight Night, Rosenstrike versus Gone. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. And obviously, you have to check out the website at NorthStarsports.media, updated UFC rankings. Uh, 30 minutes. 30 minutes or less after the fight, although that's not uh, a pending thing because sometimes we're uh, a little bit late, but usually we get it done right away. Uh, we got the main card showdown, uh, I think NSS 30, and the main card showdown February World Grand Prix Finals are this Saturday, so be sure to tune in for that. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.